0: wasted plenty of time before recording let's actually do this episode (laughs) or something so uh this is spiral hour uh a show where we sometimes be talking about anime sometimes movies sometimes something else i don't know i think that's all we've covered (laughs) manga oh yeah right so there's a third thing we did one time uh yeah (laughs) um well, well, this this week would de- or not this week. This is not a weekly show. I got to get a hold of not myself. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about finally talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Just part 1 though. And we're not we're not dirty part skippers. Don't worry about that. We're not going to skip straight to part 3 like some kind of low-level scum who doesn't deserve to be respected as a human. But Oh, wait. Uh, do
1: people the people skip Oh, that's very popular. Part
0: two? It's very popular to go just to just start at part three and never go to part one or two. Just because that's the one with Jotaro. That's the one that they've seen on T-shirts. So they're like, who's this guy? I don't know. who. What is this based in England? But yeah, Hmm. Uh, where are the stands? That's that's what a lot of people do.
1: It is. It is really weird, cause I cause I've watched parts one, two, and like the first couple episodes of three. Yeah. And like how how it just completely shifts.
0: It's like in yeah. the third part. <laughs> Look, this is a new show now. This yeah. is like same continuity, but guess what? That thing that was the thing before, it's not the thing anymore. Now and now it's a totally different thing. And it's uh far more original too. Like Mm-hmm. Here's part three, where the original part of the show begins. <clears throat> I guess I should say the manga.
1: I, I wouldn't even say that it's not original because...
0: Absolutely.
1: Some <laughs> <of the> things...
0: <laughs> no.
1: Some of the things that happen in a show, you're like, what in
0: the world? Uh, Araki is a madman. like, And uh, what's funny was that when he did part one, he was quite young. Like, I think he, he was like early to mid twenties when he started it. Mm. And if you look at his art, it's like, yeah, this is definitely, th- this dude's just getting started. But mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, the, the way it's been adapted, it looks much better. Uh, but this guy, this guy's 59 years old. He looks like he's about 30. He's, um, people have, uh, implied that he is perhaps, um, a vampire himself. <laughs>
1: He's relaying his experiences.
0: Yeah. It's like well, this is just this is just what I'm doing. Uh, let's see. When did he start JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Yeah, it started in nineteen eighty seven. And I thought it was interesting. Uh that was when he started making it. And I thought it was funny how part one is based in is based literally a hundred years ago. It's in eighteen eighty eight uh-huh. instead of nineteen eighty eight. But yeah. <clears throat> Uh, If you look at some of the early art for part one, it's like this is completely different and it's uh, quite a it's quite amateurish. But his biggest inspiration was kind of uh, Fist of the North Star, which you can see in the design of adult Jonathan Joestar, especially them shoulder pads, baby, which I think. Yeah, yeah. I think shoulder pads need to make a comeback because that gives me Mad Max vibes. (laughs) <laughs> like, ooh, I dig that Which, I mean, Fist of the North Star was basically, basically anime Mad Max
1: But, I mean, so yeah, Yesterday, I was reading the synopsis of the episodes Just to, like, make sure that it was fresh on my mind for yeah. the podcast And, like, reading some of this stuff Like, hit, the story oh my when it's on paper <laughs> It's like if a toddler was telling a story <laughs>
0: This is, it's like Axe Cop, which was literally, you know. Exactly. A, 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 this, uh, I think it was his little brother. The, the creator's uh-huh. little brother just like relayed these things to him and he just kind of adapts them, you know, makes and them a little Doobie more And Doobie goes
1: to attack Debbie, and Doobie has snakes in his head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so much of JoJo is not <laughs> just go with it. It's like... You can hop on if you want,
2: (laughs) but we are going
0: with it. (laughs) And uh, Hamon being like probably the strangest and hardest to get a hold on version of, you know, insert name of this anime's version of martial arts, like be it like Dragon Ball's key and like uh, Naruto's like ninjutsu and stuff like that. It's like, Hamon is the strangest one you've seen (laughs) and also things get stranger later on in the show and like it's been proper named like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is probably the best title that this could have because first Jojo is a funny name like that's weird and then Bizarre Adventure it's just holding it like it's just it's open about it. It's like yeah this is, things are going to get really weird and as weird as you're expecting it's going to be a little weirder than that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but like the oh gosh, it was just like one of those uh like when a toddler is telling a story about these two made up superheroes and then oh but he do, he does this oh but he does this.
0: Yeah, it really feels like that. <laughs> and like there's there's a a magical quality that comes from being able to either make this up as you're going and have such fantastic showmanship that not only does it not hide itself uh-huh. you know the fa- the fact that you're making this up as you go but the fact that you are clearly making it up as you go is what is so exciting about it but then yeah. but then You start to kind of look back and and there's this there's this meme called Iraqi forgot where it's like he maybe forgets something he introduced and then it doesn't come up later because he forgot. (laughs) That's a meme. But there's also a, a video series that I've seen. And, you know, the video series is just kind of the culmination of this where people are debunking Iraqi forgot where they're saying, no, all of this fits together perfectly. And maybe he does have this all figured out, which arguably makes it even more impressive because it's just completely off the wall. Like to think that planning went into this madness. <laughs> like that, that might, that, that like that's more brilliant. It's not just pure skill. Like it's, there was like, a mental force behind it,
2: uh-huh.
0: so yeah, um, aptly named. And uh, the the way that the art style works, which I, it's sort of, it's kind of a little more brought in line with itself in the anime adaptations because this is long after the manga has been going on. Which I think it's interesting how long it took for this to get an adaptation that really stuck. There was a, a, a movie... Yeah, there
1: was one in 2000, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, 2000 was the OVA series, I want to say, mm. which was an adaptation of uh, Part 3. Like That's a Stardust Crusaders adaptation, which Part 1 is also called Phantom Blood, the one that we're talking about. Before yeah. that, there was a an animated movie that adapted the entirety of Phantom Blood that, after its first screenings... Was so bad that it didn't get another screening, and Araki had it all destroyed. He was so enraged by how poorly made it was. And the fact that they rode out Speedwagon, in particular, gave him fury. And he went on a destructive rampage, making sure that no one could ever see the movie. So
1: so I guess we we would never be able to find it.
0: Oh no, you can't. Uh there's a few minutes that exist online that was uh like I think re- recorded from a camcorder and it's the like the opening credits, but that is it. They, no one can see it. What was created oh, was destroyed man. because they incurred the wrath of the creator. <laughs> but Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, uh, there was that OVA series, which Mm -hmm. people say is quite good. Like, people very much like the OVA series. It has a a very different style. And there is, you know...
1: (sighs) From the few moments that I saw of it, because I accidentally clicked on it when I was looking for JoJo... Gotcha. (laughs) Um uh, it looked like Fist of the North Star, or for the little that I've seen of Fist of the North Star.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, well, you know, two thousand versus twenty twelve. The art style was much different, and it yes. looks more of its time. I would say that uh, the modern one doesn't really look like an anime of its time. It still looks like something from the eighties, and then mm-hmm. the color palette is all its own. Like there, there's there's nothing that has the color. That the anime adaptation does. Oh
1: yeah, he, he plays it fast and loose with the colors.
0: Well, and that's not Araki. Because Araki oh, does yeah, right. the manga. It's all black and white. But, but his, is, he, is co- he involved with the uh, No, adaptation? he's busy making the manga still. It's still going.
1: I and mean, these guys are doing some real good work.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, David Production. People who do Fire Force. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I could, I guess, <clears throat> figure out who directed the adaptation, I guess I can track that down real quick. But yeah, whoever's in charge is doing a great job. And I don't think there's anything quite like it that I've seen. I mean, there's mm-hmm. uh, things like Mob Psycho 100 that are quite interesting or quite in, quite strange. From a visual okay. standpoint, you know, they have those moments, but, uh, they're, they're used. Not that mob psycho does this, but they're not just used as like, you know, eye catchers. Like yeah. there's uh, it's like turning points or whoever's in control, the colors will change in their favor or whatever. And yeah.
1: Or even, even just to show like an internal dialogue.
0: Yeah. And it's. It's so good. Like, I really like it. Like, uh, I remember when I first saw screenshots of the 2012 anime, which is like, I had never heard anything about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And then when you watch it, and the more you watch it, and then you have the context of this is from the 80s and 90s, it's like, oh, this is what everything's been ripping off.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that actually kind of leads into... I would say my first criticism of the show. Okay. But uh so Oh, there's plenty I to was, criticize.
0: Like Yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna say that this isn't like that this is perfect.
1: The So there is a lot of telling not showing in this yes. show. And but the thing the thing that I was gonna say was like it makes like most of the time if it was just a normal anime, it would be like You know, it would just focus on their face and then, you know, an echoey voice of their internal monologue would come on. But this makes it visually interesting while it's doing all that exposition.
0: Well, and also, I think they make the correct choice of having an absolutely strung out commentator who is faceless, who's Mm -hmm. just like, like, like almost saying what's happening as it happens and, and he's freaking out like when they're trying yeah. when he's trying to figure out if uh, uh, Bluford is going to he's like, which hand is his sword hand, his left or his right? And then the commentator is like, neither. His hair wields the blade. It's like the showmanship, the theatrics is what, you know, makes it slip by, like makes it go down easy. I'll say yes,
1: it's very it's very dramatic. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, it's melodramatic. Like this action feels like it, it, it's like. uh, What are those like, like old, like Indiana Jones style adventure serials mixed with ridiculous kung fu films. Yes. like it, it's as it's as earnest as it gets about how crazy it also thinks this is.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I feel like <clears throat> the reason that they kind of do a lot more showing rather than telling is because...
2: You mean I feel telling like techn- rather than showing?
1: Is, oh, okay, I'd say the reverse. Yeah, no, go and, ahead. <laughs> uh, but um, is I I can only imagine that drawing everything with that kind of detail and that kind of color and all that, that is expensive. Well, and so they, there's a lot of still panels in
0: this show. Yeah, and there's also the fact where, okay, um, there's the the background that JoJo has where people refuse to adapt it correctly, and why it took so long to get it off the ground. And, like, uh, for the longest time, one of the best adaptations was the PS1 and Dreamcast game that Capcom made, a fighting game, where it was like, this is very accurate, Why is it Hmm. this little arcade game that was faithful to the characters, their designs, their, their move sets and all this stuff. Um, there was like this really cool detail in that game that I always like bringing up where, uh, you can't play daytime stages with, with vampires. Hmm. Like it, it restricts you to playing the nighttime stages. And I'm like, that's so unnecessary, but so nice. But like,
1: that's really cool
0: (laughs) for the longest time. There was this running issue where no one will make it accurate. They won't adapt it uh, true to the manga.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I have my own opinions about adaptations. But this is what people really wanted with JoJo. Because it almost seems like JoJo's so weird that you know someone's going to change things. Like, you're kind of, you're you're wary about it. It's like, okay, I know this is weird. Keep it Keep it weird. Don't change it. I don't want yeah. you to. Uh, so I, I think that kind of means that whether David production or whether it's for the best overall or not, David production has kind of made the decision that they're going to make it accurate. And if you think about a manga where it's like, I have a limited amount of panels and I'm Mm -hmm. new to this, you know, I haven't quite hit my stride yet. I need to include little boxes explaining what's going on because I gotta have this out next week, and I can't cram another panel in here.
1: Okay, that so makes saying
0: sense. neither his hand wields the blade, it's kind of like just in case it wasn't obvious, he's wielding it with his hair. I know that's weird, but like I can't make another picture of that. Like I, I gotta, I gotta go. So like, <laughs> I think. And, and you'll notice part one, I love this show. Part one is very flawed. So is part two, three, four, and five is very flawed. Oh. Um, and and I, I I read ahead because it seemed like part five was never going to be made for a while. I, I read ahead mm-hmm. on part five. I, I, I'm now back to the point where I'm like, I want to wait for the anime because I think Jojo, it, it, like... The manga's great, of course. Like, there, there's a reason people want this to be adapted. But so much is brought to the table by the addition of music, the melodramatic voice acting, and mm-hmm. the colors. And, and the way that it's been very well directed, in my opinion. <clears throat> like, JoJo, to me, is classic rock music being mixed in with this bizarre color palette and these over-the-top performances like i i can't really remove that from from yeah. my enjoyment so like I, that makes me want to wait and, and you know there's this there's this meme in the jojo uh fandom where it's like read the manga like that's that's what the meme is where it's like you don't want spoilers <laughs> read the manga cuz we're talking about part 8 like if you're over here you're going to be with the jojo fans we're talking about part 8 so what i've decided is all right so I'll, I'll stay out because I want to wait for the anime, But, I, you know, th- th- I think that's fair because people who are like, no spoilers for part six. It's like that was 15 years ago. Let us talk <laughs> like you're not going to be coming in yeah, here making demands. You just showed up. <laughs> you just got here. We've been here for years. But yeah, um, you, like I was saying. It's very flawed, and you can tell this was when he was. This is when he was getting there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there, there, Also, it took a long time for there to become an English version of uh the anime. Like this anime was in twenty twelve. The English version didn't come until twenty sixteen. Like
1: oh my gosh, that's quite a spread.
0: Yeah, and and it it was almost like a throwback to how Toonami used to be, where it was like Toonami was like. Whoa, people need to see this, even though it's, you know, five or six years old. You know, yeah. it's like uh, people, people need to see Yu Yu show, even though it's not been adapted yet. That's like old Toonami. But uh, oh, as time Toonami. has gone on, they, they've uh, they've been able to close the gap a little bit more. I think
2: mm-hmm. now
0: it's like uh, a little over a year goes by between them. OK, uh, but yeah. Like we were saying, very flawed. Uh, the the execution is very much uh, having to compensate for how amateurish it is. And I don't think anyone's going to get testy about me saying that. I think it's kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the issue where... Um... So, Jonathan Joestar, when you get your okay. other JoJo's as things go on, like people will tell you Jonathan's boring and Jonathan is boring maybe in retrospect and the retrospect being the second you met Joseph and then the second you met Jotaro where it's like, Oh, these are way more interesting. And the thing is Araki was hearing these criticisms at the time and he responds to them like he doesn't oh. just keep his head down and do his own thing. Joseph is basically the furthest thing from Jonathan that he could come up with at the time. Like Jonathan being a chivalrous, honorable man, you know, who mm-hmm. wants to do the right thing. He, he wants to be, you know, uh, uh, a shining example. And then Joseph, who's a dirty trickster. Like underhanded, cheats, runs from fights. Like, yeah,
1: he's, I, I remember just like I remember being very not appalled, but just like, oh, wow, that is very different person. Yeah,
0: like uh, the, the part where he just pulls a gun on him in part two, which we'll get to part two later. But those opening moments was kind of Iraqi saying, I can adapt. And it and it's fantastic when he does. Like
1: he, this ain't yo Jonathan.
0: Yeah, he's like he can kind of show I can do a lot of different characters, and and he pulls it off extremely well. Um, <clears throat> and then he he keeps doing that. Like h- h- any kind of criticism he gets, it's not like he's so proud that he can't take it seriously and at least try mm-hmm. to address it at some point. You'll also notice that. The melodrama of some of these deaths in part one, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, part two immediately addresses those, and it feels way, it feels way more effective. I should say. I guess you know, like I said, we're not talking about part two quite yet. But the flaws in part one, I think, it helps to understand that he aggressively got better, and the anime, in its adaptation. Doesn't jump ahead. It doesn't skip parts because no one should skip parts, but it's not, you know, taking, well, does this get good later? So maybe we should apply that earlier. I think Dave of production was like, people want the purest possible adaptation. We'll be creative where we can, which is music, uh, color. color. Yeah. And the way things are framed and directed changes quite a bit from Mm -hmm. the, the manga. Which, I mean, I think you should do that, because anime is not manga. You shouldn't be doing panel for panel. You should be making an animated thing. So, uh, all that said, it is very flawed. And I understand why this is the hardest part for people to get through.
1: Yeah, and, um, okay, so I was actually going to use that to talk about, okay, what was your pop-off?
0: Huh. I guess I kind of have to recall what it was. I think my pop-off was the intro in episode two. Because the intro does a a Mission Impossible thing where it previews Mm -hmm. the entirety of the story that's coming. And it looks so good. The song is fantastic. And it's just like... it, It got me so excited that I'm like, okay... I can sit through whatever I have to sit through as long as I get to see that stuff happen. Like the, the, the ending part, or I guess it's not quite the end, but you know, the, the, the pop off is in the song. The part that's so <speaking> no, <in Spanish> like that part. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> I can't wait for this. And I was like, what's up with that mask? that mask going to be important because the first episode I was like, all right, I'm in with this Dio kid. This is weird. Like he, he, this is an interesting backstory. You know, his, his dad's a, just a scumbag. And then, you know, uh, he kind of invades this perfect little life that this other Mm -hmm. kid has. And I was like, I'm sold on Dio way quicker than I'm sold on Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I think that's the case for most people who stick with it.
1: So, and that's 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 my problem. I don't know if I have a pop-off for this first part.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, no, I get that. Because... Because, like,
1: I've, I've seen it before. Like, I've watched uh-huh. through, like I said, parts one, two, and the first couple episodes of three. So, like, I've seen it before, and I tried to go into it with not necessarily a fresh point of view. But, like... Sure. Uh, I, like, especially <sighs> having seen it already... It wasn't like, you know, oh, I gotta go back and watch it again. It was just like, all right, I'll watch it again. Yeah, I, I will was... say this.
0: I think people who are caught up on JoJo, or at least have made it to the point where they are a fan now, going back to part one is incredibly fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's very interesting because it's like, everyone remembers when they were not quite convinced. And that's mostly in part one. I think there's there's very few people... <sighs> <sighs> there's very few people who like jojo as early as part one and i think
2: Mm -hmm.
0: it's actually that that's why it's uh something to mention when someone's like no i actually liked part one like that that's something to bring up
1: one of my friends uh one of my friends from back in college his favorite like he actually says that part one is the only good part. And I'm like, a- Ooh, all right.
0: that's a, that's a hot take right there. And, <laughs> and I think, see, they, they, we're talking about the, the flaws of part one, but there's also things that are, I would say I really like about it. Number one being it is short. Mm. This feels almost like a three episode mini series. Like, I think you could, you could uh, kind of combine it into Three kind of larger, hour long parts,
1: like Naruto Kai.
0: Sure, but it, it it more reminds me of something more along the lines of Sherlock, and not just because it's in England, but like <laughs> it feels like that. Like like the they're you know they're kind of younger era, mm-hmm. the era where he's training. You know when he's first learning Hamon,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and then the era where uh, Dio has you know, uh, he's now a vampire and he's getting his army together and he's going to take over all of London. Like.
1: Yeah. Things escalate.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they kind of are those kind of three little sections. And I was like, you yeah. could, you could make these. <laughs> uh, Well, and, and I'm saying this, there was a recap movie made for the entirety of part one. Like oh, really? by, by David Production, there's there's a recap movie and it's just called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure: Phantom Blood. So they kind of went back and made their own little movie adaptation. That being said, I don't think it's very good. Uh, really, they seem to cut things that I would consider important. Uh, and there are things that you know you you would cut if you're. Do you
1: remember anything in specific or lo- specifically that they did? cut that you would have kept
0: they cut a lot of moments of introspection a lot a lot of quiet moments those all get cut Mm. like it's almost like it's hitting plot bullet points it very much is a recap Mm. it's not you can watch this instead it's uh you're about to start part two you watched part one a little while ago let us refresh you so like you're losing the emotional beats
1: it's like the Gurren Lagann movie. Like, it shows you the, the biggest moments and uh, and then kind of glosses over the middle stuff.
0: Yeah, well, and then those also take the big moments and make them bigger, which is insane which to How? Me. I don't know. But like,
1: Okay, we haven't gotten the Gurren Lagann yet. We'll do that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, uh, it doesn't do anything like that. It doesn't heighten the higher moments. It, it really is like a recap. It, it's like previously on JoJo, basically. Is, is what mm-hmm. that essentially is. Which is why, no. Don't watch it instead. That's bad. You should be ashamed. <laughs> like, don't do that. Not at all. No thanks. Not allowed. So, like.
1: If there's anything that JoJo people can get behind, it's that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you don't skip parts. <laughs> don't skip parts. Don't watch the recaps as a replacement. It's not acceptable. It's not allowed. We, we will not. You will not be invited to the dinner party. <laughs> your, your your invitation might just get a little lost. Who knows? You might not know the right address.
3: <laughs>
0: but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Oh, God. What was I talking about? We were talking about the flaws. I, I was saying one of the good things is that it's short. I like that it's only yeah. nine episodes. Uh, that's the way that I kind of get people to stick with it <laughs> when they're like this, I'm not, I'm not loving this. I'm like, don't worry. It's only nine episodes. This one will be over. And then things get, things get crazy.
1: Well, I mean, things do get they are crazy, quite crazy right crazy. off the bat. Yes.
0: <laughs> like, uh, I think when Baron Zeppeli gets introduced, it's like, Okay. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't even uh, say right. when Baron Zeppelin is getting introduced. I would say it's when friggin' Speedwagon, you know, throws his hat that has razor that's blades
0: pre- on it. That's edges. pretty wild. Also, uh, I, Speedwagon Appreciation Fan Club. I'm absolutely a part of it. I, oh, yeah. I, I adore <laughs> Speedwagon. Um, I, I, I like there. There's also a joke where it's like, <laughs> "Who is the best waifu in all of anime?" It is Ario e. Speedwagon. <laughs> like, it is him, Robert Eo Speedwagon. And I, I like how. What do the E? What does the Eo stand for? I don't know. It's Ario e. Speedwagon, <laughs> dude. Okay. Another thing I love about th- this is kind of a tangent, but this is another great thing about the anime, and I think something that, uh, is quite good about part one. Is the music and the choice mm-hmm. of music and the mm-hmm. fact that these episodes end with roundabout, which which is amazing, yeah, and and it's quite clear and then also made very obvious in interviews after the fact that Iraqi loves Western classic rock.
1: Oh like, yeah, I mean like Dire and Straitz. And okay,
0: think about the fact that Tom Petty. Think about this. It's the '80s, and you're mm-hmm. you're name dropping Dire Straits. That's Oh man. That's a massive flex. Not only was he a fan of western like rock and roll, but he had his he, he was kind of on in in the the underground, maybe the the less the lesser known cuz I would say that Dire Straits doesn't really become that popular until mm-hmm. like like the the mid to late 90s. Was when they kind of really hit their stride.
1: I'm interested to see if they ever knew that they were included in JoJo.
0: I mean, I, just, I, I wonder if they even care.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> like, true. What That's
0: it, true. was that, Japanimation? But like, uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they broke up in 1988. Oh, man. So like, I mean, it was probably on Iraqi's mind when he wrote that. <laughs> so he was like, I'm gonna put them in this. I like them. R.I.P.
1: But, oh yeah, because doesn't it... oh <laughs> yeah. What was that? I'm thinking about the second part.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, th- there's some there there's some pulls, there's some deep pulls that he gets in there. So, the fact that it the the credit song is roundabout, which is very strange for anime to have. Mm-hmm. First of all, anything in English to begin with, that that's kind of strange. Second of all, for it to be. Of a well-known song, and third of all, an older one, like like something from the era. Yeah, and
1: that was a David production idea, right?
0: Well, I uh, I mean I'm I'm sure it must have been. Uh, I I don't or think the director, I guess. Someone at David Production was like, "Well, Iraqi likes American and uh, European rock and roll," so. Let's get some of that in there. And that trend continues.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And I
1: I love me some yes. I'm sorry. You love you some what? Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I I think the best is yet to come. Roundabout is the popular meme ending. (laughs) Oh, yes. But uh, oh, also, I love I love when it starts creeping in. You get those Mm -hmm. first little plucks as like an episode's yeah. closing. Oh, ah, it's so good. And then like, you know, it, it the to be continue the dude. It's like, "Ooh, I can't wait for the next one." Like, those little bits I think are really well executed in part 1. Like, yeah. The flaws are big flaws, and I, I think one of the one of the biggest flaws is Jonathan as a protagonist. He seems a little too clean cut. He's a, he's a mm-hmm. little too I guess He's a little too easy. He's he, he seems too easy to like. He seems like he was be, he's been made to be liked. So you you kind of they're like no, I don't want to like
1: dubious him. of it. You told
0: me you told me to like him. Now I don't want it. And then with Dio, he's made to be hated. But I kind of love Dio because <laughs> he he's so over the top and over the top villainy. I think is is often more entertaining than over the top chivalry over the top mm-hmm. chivalry is sort of i've seen this before that being said um at the time that it was made i'm sure people were very sick of it like in the in the 80s this giant muscle-bound ultra goody-goody like he's he's mm-hmm. basically clark kent
1: yes well i wouldn't even say that he's clark kent i would say he's more interesting than clark kent um, like when he saved, uh, I mean, he obviously arena.
0: struggles more
1: well, when Clark he Dan. saved arena and she like thanked him and he was like, this
0: wasn't for you
1: <laughs> or yeah. something like, yeah, that. I, I like immediately. That.
0: I, I, I liked that bit. He was like, no, I do not do this for thoughts. This is, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: this is, this is for honor. I like, I like that. Like, and, and it's kind of a little unexpected, but it, it kind of establishes. He's not your average anime protagonist. You mm-hmm. know, he's not um, kind of a, a bland teenager drooling after girls, which is what a lot of them are. It's like, no, I'm unconcerned. I'm concerned with my honor. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The, the, the thing is, amidst other Jojos, he seems to be the most dull because he seems like he has the least to learn, he kind of seems like he's on the right track from the beginning, but he's naive at first, mm-hmm. and he stops being naive later. You know, he he grows up, of course, but that's a little that's a little more simple. Whereas Dio's character arc, and I mean, there, you know, it's constantly this this whole story is JoJo and Dio. I mean, they're they're entwined, they're entangled. Dio yeah. invading Jojo's life is what starts his character arc, <clears throat> and kind of vice versa. You know, Jojo is the one that Dio can't manipulate or corrupt. <clears throat> you know, he, get, he gaslights him and gets people to turn against him, and he lies about him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Jojo, who has never done anything wrong in his whole life. (laughs) Like now people don't trust them. They're calling him a snitch. And he's like, what did I snitch about? Like you have no proof. You're just believing him. Yeah. And then, uh, Dio's kind of, I think he has the stronger character arc just because it seems more compelling, but it is what I would call apotropaic, which is sort Mm -hmm. of a warning apotropaic, the definition being designed that's a, to avert
1: that's evil. A, that's a $100 word yes. right there. You're throwing it around <laughs> like it's nothing.
0: I th- Well, I thought I said this one in an earlier one, but I guess not. But Mm-mm. apotropaic. <laughs> you said it this morning. <laughs> well, okay, but really I've weird. been using this word for a while. <laughs> I'm used to it, okay? But, like, designed to avert evil. Uh, and yeah. that uh, describes something like a gargoyle on a, a cathedral.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Where it's like, this is a scary thing that that is supposed to show you what's at the edges. You know, what, what, what lurks in the dark. And it's trying to scare you. You should be scared of the dark. And Dio, you know, going, going head first into the deepest darkness he can find. Because, yeah. man, the kid's got daddy issues. He got some real daddy issues.
1: Yeah. Oh, would you, would you also say that this show is tonally all over the place?
0: I'm not so sure. I guess I would need some examples because Well, I I guess I'm just like
1: you know with as goofy and I I I say goofy with as crazy as it is, you know, it kind of lured me into this place of like, oh, it's just going to be a goofy show that has weird fights and then a guy's top half of his head gets <clears throat> ripped off and I'm like, "Oh, oh okay."
0: Well, before that <laughs> happens, Dio locks his dog in the incinerator and waits for someone else to turn it on.
1: Yeah, it's true. I guess it's just I forget that it's so dark in places. (laughs) Uh,
0: I I think, uh... Okay, so so I guess it has a wide range of tone because Mm -hmm. things do get really silly and and really, like, man, Baron Zeppeli skipping across that that river. That being in the same show... (laughs) As some of the more grisly things that happen, I guess that yeah. is that is kind of never mind. Maybe I had been numb
2: <laughs>
0: because man, that that doesn't that's not the half of it in in later mm-hmm. stuff. But like, it is kind of weird that that things get so extremely violent when that doesn't seem to be the brand of JoJo. Like JoJo isn't gore. Like mm-hmm. that—that's not what it is. It's not like part of its identity. Like if you play any of the JoJo fighting games, they don't have fatalities, because yeah, he, I mean, first of all, most of the cast isn't going to perform a fatality, and like, then there's the the fact that though I, th- so uh, it it tonally being all over the place, I think it just has a wide range of tone. In that it can okay. get really dark in certain moments. It doesn't seem like it's just done uh, to, like, meet... For a
1: shock value.
0: Yeah, and, and it doesn't seem like it's meeting a gore quota, I guess you would yeah. say. Whereas, like, you know, yeah. some horror movies will just have gory, violent things because they have to meet a quota. And then, like... Uh, like some of the stuff is like some of the fights in the conflicts don't have any whatsoever like it's not like it happens every every situation
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then sometimes it goes more like his fight with Dio where he cuts him in half and there's, mm-hmm. and there's no gore whatsoever like he's split and then he kind of goes back together <laughs> and he's sort of misaligned Versus, you know, when he when he slashes the top half of that guy's head off and it's really nasty. Yeah. But I don't know, like to me, it all kind of fits together and it's used in the right place because that part, like that moment where Dio. Kind of. Becomes the vampire, it's like that. that's when he's he's gone full on like.
1: He has literally forsaken humanity.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like, like he's he's gone all the way, all the way down, to where you know he's no longer human now. I yeah. think that was the right place to use it, where the where he's like, get away from the window, and then like right after he says that, you just see Dio can now cleave someone's head off with his hand.
1: With just his finger. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's like he's gained this immense power, and it's like terrible and horrifying and stuff I think that was the right place to use it or rice right place to use it
1: (laughs) rice rice pirate
3: Mm.
1: hey Jojo he's in full circle he's
0: in part (laughs) 5 well he also made his own part that's right man yeah okay Mick what's his last (laughs) name I can never remember it uh Mick um I just think of rice pirate Mick (laughs) uh
3: yeah, let me, me let me find
0: up. him. Let me find him. McLaur. That's ah, what it oh is, yeah. man. I had no idea how old he was. How old is he? He's older than you think. I mean, you look at pictures uh, of him and he's like, that's a good looking young man. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find out that he was like, I think he was the oldest member in um, Sleepy Cabin. Like by a good bit. Wait, how old is he? I don't know. I don't know the, the number. <laughs>
2: oh, okay.
1: But like, I thought you were looking at a number, but you're just like, no, no. he's older than you think. And I'm like, what?
0: No, he's, <clears throat> I think he's either the same age as, or close to the same age as uh, Stamper, and Stamper looks his age.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, Stamper does.
0: But yeah, okay. <laughs> Getting back on track.
1: What a greasy old man Stamper
3: is.
0: okay so uh back to jojo yes what was i saying
1: oh he forsook (laughs) his humanity
0: yes i i forsake my humanity jojo that that's an iconic it's an iconic meme right there but uh that i think that was the right place to use that tone and then Mm -hmm. when they kind of
2: <sighs>
0: the The fight with like Blueford and and what's his face the more, the more brutish guy, I guess.
1: Uh, I don't remember uh his name tar, tar Tarkus. Tarkus, yeah. Tarkus,
0: like that. It's like Tukus. Yeah, that stuff feels like full on hyper violent eighties action film stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And or horror, and I and I think what I've noticed is that uh, as things go on. Especially in part four, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure moves further and further into more of a horror genre, like a, a horror action hybrid.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: And it's it, it's it's a result of the villains genuinely being scary. Like, they, they are horrifying. They're not just, oh, I hate this guy. He's such a bad, like, it's not it's not just that. It's like Mm -hmm. Dio does horrifying things. And and the people who do things for Dio, they're like, it's not just despicable. It's like in the moment when it's shown what has happened is like horrifying. And you could say it's done for shock value in some places. Uh, That's I mean, I think I would agree with it in some places. Not that Mm -hmm. always doing things for shock value value is a bad thing. It just always seems a little cheap, I think, uh, when it's obvious that that's what it was done for. But there's – in part four in particular, there's a good menace to the villain who – I like when Araki seems to lean into the villain that refuses to reveal himself – and he does that more often as things go on. Cool. Uh, I mean, in it, it doesn't happen in part two, but then uh, part three, it's it's done pretty well. It makes it a little more interesting. Part four, I think it's done incredibly well, and then in part five, it 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 sort of gets to the point where it's like, when am I going to see this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and and it also sort of feels like maybe it's a little bit of a retread from part four. And um supposedly part six takes that into account where he's like, So I hear people been saying I'm doing the same thing. We're gonna switch it up a little bit. But yeah. Uh where's the anime at? Uh the anime has completed part five. Okay. Uh which was Golden Wind is what the anime was called, even though the manga the manga was uh, the Italian version of that, which now I can't remember. I think it's Vento Aureo, Vento Aureo, something like that. But it was Golden Wind in Italian because it's based in Italy. Uh, okay. Oh, we could also talk about talk about the fact that this is a, an anime that is based in England, and why I think the dub is so fun to watch because it's these. Really over the top English accents oh that everyone my gosh. gets.
1: Speedwagon is just at every chance he throwing in
0: some sort of slang. It is wonderful because he's this you know he, he's this guy from the streets of London. He's saying me! stuff like that. I think it's fantastic, and <laughs> it's I, so over the top. <laughs> I think what is glorious is the fact that you have. Johnny Young Bosch doing an English accent as Jonathan Joestar like i i don't think i could have asked for anything more because it is such a cheesy over the top silly english accent
1: okay and i also heard uh, this is about part 2 again gosh maybe maybe we should do part 2 soon
0: well maybe we should get around to it yeah yeah we want to um,
1: but uh, did Nigel Uno do a voice in part yes, two? Yes,
0: he is Joseph Joestar. <laughs> you get number one. <laughs> the the most English character we have ever gotten in American entertainment. You get him voicing Joseph Joestar. It's fantastic.
1: Oh, Nigel Uno.
0: and the, And you also get an absolutely ridiculous Italian accent <laughs> for, um... Uh, the other Zeppeli in part mm-hmm. in part two. I can't remember his name. Caesar. Caesar. Yeah. I see.
1: I was thinking that Caesar was in part one, like based on my memory of what what all happened.
0: Gotcha. Huh. Interesting. I think uh, Caesar is a phenomenal character. I think he's. I mean, he's obviously more compelling than Baron Zeppeli, but compelling. Okay. Hang on. Let me make sure I'm using this word right. I'm going to look up the definition of, of compelling, because I don't want to throw that around like it isn't. That compels. Okay. Thanks. Demanding attention. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's it, it demands attention. Never mind. Yeah. I would say Baron Zeppeli is more compelling. He, he's okay. more attention grabbing because it's like, what is this guy up to? When he enters the story, it's like, it's breakneck. It's like, what? what is this show about now? Like when, when he
1: finger punches,
0: <laughs> I, I loved, I loved. Yeah. He punches with his pinky and heals Jonathan's arm. And I love that scene. <laughs> He's like, I Oh, can he'll pick thank this me. rock. No problem. And it's like just <laughs> a massive, like enormous arm, just holding this <laughs> enormous rock. And it's like, I love this show. And then the part where Zeppeli punches that frog. And I like when it looks like he's going to punch the frog and Jonathan's like,
3: don't do it. It's so ridiculous. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Like,
0: his reaction is like this lunatic's just gonna smash this random frog. What is going on? And this, this is right after he punched him in the gut to heal his broken arm. He he's like, I'm scared of whatever happens next. And then it cracks the rock without harming the frog. (laughs) (laughs) And his whole getup, it's madness.
1: (laughs) (coughs) The white suit and the checkered top
0: hat. How strange is it that Speedwagon just starts wearing that thing?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I
1: even recognized that until you just said it.
0: Speedwagon was wearing a bowler hat until until Baron eats it. And then just almost without explanation, he's just wearing his hat now. <laughs> like, yo, sweet hat. <coughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so, uh, speaking of Baron Zephali he is actually the source of my first quote.
0: Okay, go for it.
1: Um, so, here, let me pull that up, because I, I don't want to, uh, when he says oh, oh, there I'm were no- Oh, I'm sorry,
0: hang on, real quick. Yeah. What was your pop-off?
1: I, I, yeah, I already said it. I said I didn't have one for-
0: You don't, you don't have one for part one, do, do you want to spoil, I guess, what it was? Oh, Did it happen what? in part two?
1: See, the thing is, is that I I watched uh, a good majority of part two, like, up to the Wamuu fight. I watched that, like, a long time ago and gotcha. then just recently finished. And okay. so, like, a lot of my memory of JoJo is very disjointed. But and so, was
0: it part two that got you in? Are you even in?
1: I don't know. I, okay. I don't think I don't really think so. Because, like... I mean, that was the reason I stopped watching part two is because it's just gotcha. like, I mean, I got to the Whamoo fight and I got to the transformation. It was like, this is pretty fun. But at the same time, like I stopped right there, which is like the weirdest place to stop. And it was just, it wasn't like I, it wasn't like I had lost interest or like, I'm not going to watch this anymore. It's just like, I just didn't continue for, for whatever reason.
0: Well, I mean, I so, think, I think that would be you lost interest. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you don't have to worry about, not liking Jojo. I think what makes Jojo's Bizarre Adventure so special is that it is so bizarre and Uh it it is forged a cult classic status, despite I would say being a might bit more successful than a cult classic. Like, and from what I hear, from what I hear, part seven is a, a, an absolute tour de force where it's like, this is going beyond cult classic into being an absolute phenomenon. Hmm. So, I mean, we're not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I, I like the show. It's fun. But I, I it just hasn't
0: gripped me yet. Like, yeah, it's and... not like I have to watch more. Yeah, and here's something that um, I don't think I've had the chance to talk about. There's things that are very original and very creative that people just don't like. And that's, uh-huh. I mean, I think that's almost the point, I would say, because there's not liking something and kind of like, or OK, there's there's really enjoying something. Like when you're a kid, you like find something that's like, oh, my God, I, this is like my whole life. Like, uh-huh. I remember when I first saw Biker Mice, I was like, this is now my entire identity is Biker Mice. <laughs> I think that was when I was five. When I was five, oh my God. That was all uh, that was everything to me. And Biker got canceled, which was shocking to me. I was like, why would they cancel the greatest show of all time?
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: that doesn't make any sense. And then uh, later on, you know, I kind of learned, well, it didn't have very good ratings. And I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> like, and it was like, I didn't quite know what ratings was. But... What
1: kind of <laughs> idiot wouldn't like? This? Yeah. Well,
0: and I'm doing this to, to illustrate the fact that you can find something that it's like, this is profoundly better than everything I've seen before. Like Mm. when uh, Bayonetta one came out so long after a good devil may cry had come out. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's back. The genre is finally coming back. And Bayonetta did okay. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. Bayonetta two totally flopped. (laughs) And it's like, dear God, what is wrong with this accursed world? <laughs> but like, <laughs> just, just to say, you know, uh, the stuff that's going to hit you the hardest is the stuff that's going to be strange enough to appeal to you more. I yeah. think we've, we've talked about this in some degree before, but
3: mm-hmm.
0: mainstream things are made to please more people. And the, the wider net you're trying to cast, the less appealing you can be per person. Yeah, like when you it's I mean, it's it's
1: like the Treasure Planet thing. I mean, we both really love Treasure Planet, but there's a lot of people who either A, haven't seen it or B, don't really like. Well, I think with Treasure
0: Planet, Disney tried to kill it.
1: Yes, yes. Disney did try to kill it. And that was that's part of the reason. But I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Disney.
0: But but then there's, you know. um... okay. so I guess because it is the youngest medium. This is this is why I like to talk about video games when talking about this, Mm -hmm. because uh, when video games were first getting started, you had your your early Titans and then the early Titans give way to the new Titans. Mm -hmm. Or I mean, I guess they give way to the gods in mythology, but. Titans such as something like Quake, which I've been very into lately. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Quake Quake being an early in an early winner. Uh, that then just kind of disappears and falls into objective obscurity in later times because early on when there are fewer people into video games when you're appealing to everyone who plays video games or at least you know when you're appealing to a relatively large group of gamers as we'll call them mm-hmm. uh, as as the group then gets bigger you're going to be less appealing you're going to suddenly be a cult classic. You could have the same amount of people who like your thing. You could even have significantly more, but because now everyone plays video games, it's such a mainstream thing. I mean, it's as, it's as normal as watching TV used to be Mm -hmm. like what, like cable TV used to be. It's as as synonymous as that. So like uh, something like when people are like, Oh man, call of duty has changed. It's like, Well, yes, because that's what it has to do to in order to appeal to the largest amount of people possible. Early Call of Duty going for that big mainstream success is going to be a very safe World War Two shooter. And then as the audience grows and the people change and you're now you're not just trying to sell a bunch of units in America. You're trying to sell the units all over the world. So things become less and less focused. You know, you're you're zooming out more, so the resolution is dropping. And uh, what I think was the best moments for Call of Duty was when they took these weird left turns for a little bit, where like Advanced Warfare, Black Ops Three, and Infinite Warfare, which uh, the mainstream, the biggest group of people would say was the worst, was the worst era. I see as the best because it was the most appealing to me. It They took this sudden and, and like, and, and and it was sudden. It was, it was like shocking how quickly they just went full on sci-fi and then kept going further and further into the future and getting weirder and weirder, mm-hmm. which they then totally reset and went back to world war two right after. Cause they were like, all right, well we like that big, like earth breaking money. So
1: yeah, and I mean, I I really enjoyed Black Ops. I still haven't gotten around to uh, to Infinite Warfare, um, which was the one that you got me.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: but I I really <laughs> loved the first Black Ops, and then I remember the second Black Ops coming out and being in the future and being weird and yeah, and it was like futuristic, and I was like, that's really cool.
0: Yeah, but it was <laughs> I like,
1: never got around to
0: it. It was near enough future, and it was basically talking about things that. Uh, were kind of already happening like drone warfare and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, and that kind of you know they actually predicted that as coming later than it actually did but uh then with ghosts they kind of doubled back to more modern era stuff they had a little bit of a post-apocalypse thing going in there and they the futuristic tech they had was like satellite weapons but you know that's that's believable we could probably do that right now then yeah. with advanced warfare it was like all right exosuits, suits which we do not have yeah. and then black ops 3 was augmented limbs and people with with eyeballs that are cy- like it was full on cyborgs and stuff like that and like mm-hmm. hacking people's brains because their brains have operating systems working in tandem with the brains and then infinite warfare being we are now a space faring species. We have uh, fully self-aware robots that are fighting alongside us on the battlefield. <laughs> like it, it's way out there. Like it, they just kept going further. It was like getting exponentially more sci-fi. And I was like, this is magnificent. Like that was in my opinion, the golden age of Call of Duty. And a lot of people would think it's the opposite because that was when they took the most risks. That was when they were the most creative. Mm-hmm. And I remember that...
1: you describing Infinite Warfare as a space opera, and I was like, oh, whoa, what is this?
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, it's not as good as some other space operas, but it was strange that Call of Duty was a space opera for a year. Yeah. <clears throat> uh. But yeah, all this to illustrate the fact that you know, you can have a comparatively wide audience early on in a, in a medium or a genres uh, tenure, but as it Mm -hmm. becomes more mainstream and people say, you know, they sell out or, or whatever it is. It's like, well, they were selling out in the beginning. Like the fact that you were buying something from them, like that could fall under being a sellout. I mean, if you're, if you don't accept money for your art, I guess you're technically right. not selling out, but that's obviously not a uh, – that, that's not a point of view I consider to be very impressive. There's people <laughs> who are like, "You should be a starving artist." And it's like, "How about you? You would yeah, be I'd, a starving I'd rather artist eat. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather eat. I'd rather do what I love for a living. I'd rather be able to support myself and my family uh, through something I enjoy. Uh, (laughs) So instead of literally starving or, you know, uh, working a dead end job and trying to try and trying to just eke out a little bit of of creativity now and then. But yes, uh, the thing about Jojo is that it is so beloved uh, by its its fan base. That, uh, you know, and there, there's obviously a degree of elitism in there. And it's because it is good. It's because it's well made. But even when it's at its best, which I would say uh, as far as the anime right now, would be the latter half of part three and part four are, are its strongest. Part five is great. But part five has, um, I would say, some pacing issues. Uh, mm-hmm. But. Yeah, like like it hasn't peaked in part one, but like if if you're in at part one, then that's because it, it it's strange in a way that specifically appeals to you, hmm. and that's a good thing. Yeah, and and the reason so many people bounce off of it, this is what I you know I kind of had to uh come to terms with this you know around high school or whatever where I'm I'm trying to tell people all these things I like, and they're like. What the heck is this? Like, I can't remember who I showed. I showed someone Bayonetta and they were like, what? (laughs) Like, uh, you like this? And I was like, what are you talking about? It's the best game ever. But like, (laughs) yeah, it was like I kind of, you know, hit that wall. I kind of bounced off of something. Uh, I think I also showed someone Mad World and they were like, this is a bit much for me. And I was like, what are you, weak? (laughs) like it's black and white (laughs) it's it's like he has a chainsaw on his arm what do you want from me but yeah like uh the thing about jojo is that if you bounce off of it it's like okay join the club yeah like I don't think you really have to... The thing about JoJo is that you don't have to really explain why it's just not quite grabbing you because the people who it does grab, they can barely explain why. Like, hmm. I, I really... That's, that's good am to not, know. <laughs> I really am not sure why I love JoJo so much. And JoJo has this weird quality where uh, it, it's not like the more typical... Uh, shounen anime you know like especially like the battle and martial arts ones like dragon ball z like people who watch dragon ball z want to start working out mm-hmm. people who watch jojo want to start doing jojo things
1: like they... what does that mean <laughs> okay what is a jojo thing
0: well i mean with with, with jonathan it's like okay well chivalry I want Mm. to be a a strong, chivalrous man. And like, you know, there was this uh, joke for a while where it was like um, people were comparing like sword art online fans was the meme. And it was like this kid like struggling to figure out how this this uh, bench press worked.
3: Mm-hmm. And then, like
0: in the same frame, are these two massive bodybuilders, and it was like fists of the North Star and JoJo fans, and they're like helping each other and spotting each other, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like being gentlemanly is a pretty, uh, you know that that was the thing that people get out of Phantom Blood, and it's like Speedwagon, you know, is just like absolutely delighting in how gloriously chivalrous Jonathan is. Yes. And and it's, you know, he's this this shining example where some people would say it's kind of boring, but I mean, who wouldn't love to be a little more like Jonathan Joestar? Yeah,
1: oh, absolutely. So, okay, I can understand what you're saying now.
0: And then it, there, it's kind of different with each one. Like in part two, it's like Joseph is so unpredictable. He's such a wild card that it's like, well, that's appealing. I want to be like that guy.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the character arc that he has in part two is also an interesting one for him. Someone who starts off as, you know, a a trickster, such such, like an underhanded fighter.
1: Now, I I do have a question. Do all of the parts, are all of the main characters these gigantic muscle bound just feats of just sculpture?
0: No, uh, I think they consistently get smaller as things go on to the point where part six is the first female Jojo. And I mean, she's she's got a typical female frame. She doesn't have a a a big, muscly Amazon frame, which is what you would think if she was like a direct descendant of Jonathan. It's like, if he had a daughter, she would be an Amazon
1: Amazonian.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But like uh, Jonathan is the biggest it gets. And uh, there's this very nostalgic, sentimental gif that was made for, uh, I think, Jonathan's canonical birthday last year, where it was like him meeting the all the Jojos that come after him. And he just dwarfs all of them like they all look like manlets to him, but he's oh, like geez. he's just like smiling and happy to see them, and like picking them up and stuff. But like, that's really cool. Yeah, and and Jojo uh, Jonathan becomes better as you see what his legacy is as things go on because these are all stories about direct descendants of mm-hmm. Jonathan Joestar. Uh, in some ways, a little bit unpredictably than others, or a little more unpredictably than others. Um, but like, yeah, I'm pretty sure when it when it gets to like uh, Jolene there's quite a few degrees of separation between jonathan and you know his descendants that these are about but
1: yeah because even joseph is just his
0: grandson
1: not as even not even a son
0: yes joseph is his grandson
1: <clears throat> and then uh <clears throat> then it's jo- george isn't it Ooh, well no i know george is his father is jojo jo- is jonathan's father and then it's
0: jonathan and then there's jonathan there's Joseph, who's the, the grandson, and then there's Jotaro, who's the grandson of Joseph.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I was, I was just I was trying to remember what uh, Joseph's father's name was.
0: I totally don't remember.
1: I think it was George. I don't I know. Could see it that. doesn't really matter that much. He's not a main character.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I was just going to say, uh, all of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is about legacy. And, I mean, they are all named Jojo in some way. And uh, I like how creative they get. Um, With Josuke in Part 4, it apparently is lost on people who can't read kanji. Because it would just be a pun that you could call him Jojo. It's it's a kanji pun. A visual pun. But then uh, with Giorno, his last name is Giovanna. And it's spelled with a G. But you can say... It, it, the, his first and last names both start with G.I.O. So it's Jojo. Ah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's probably that's probably the most interesting and strangest that it gets where it's like we're really trying to call this guy Jojo. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the whole the whole series is about legacy. I mean, Sonochi Sadame is a fate dis- determined by his blood where it's mm. like the Joestar bloodline, even though I think Joseph is the last main character to have the family name Joestar. It's something that begins. I So now we can finally get into some freaking symbolism. My God, that thing we yeah. normally talk about. Uh, so far, this has just been like, oh, man, Jojo's weird. But like <laughs> um, with Jonathan and Dio... Dio is, by all accounts, just Lucifer. Like, oh, yeah. he, he is extremely evil. And, like, you know, has has these, you know, it's daddy issues that's his main problem. I mean, when Jonathan brings his father up, that's when Dio loses his cool. Like, it's the only time he loses his cool. And then you find out later, he killed his own father through, like, yeah. slow poisoning. And then he was also trying to do it to Jonathan's father. And it's like, yeah, this guy has a record of patricide. And then uh, his his kind of first... His first real, like, kill, where he just, like, kills someone, was when he was drunk. That was, you know, his his drunken tirade in in the streets. And then he's kind of like, you know he's cursing himself where he's like, here you are, you know, a no good drunk, no better than your father and whatever. And it's like, he, he's kind of, uh, it's, kind of, but it's a weirdly human moment for him mm-hmm. where, you know, he's mad about something, you know, he, he, he's like, his plans aren't coming together very well. All this stuff that, you know, he's trying to set up for himself. So he's mm-hmm. like, he, it's not like he even decided to go get drunk. It's just, here I am. I went and got drunk cuz I'm mad.
1: And it's funny because even from the very beginning I and this is definitely only because I've seen the show before. But I could only see Dio as a vampire or like as the like quote unquote above human thing
0: that he is. Um well like, yes, and and the the thing being he is a vampire before he is a vampire. Yeah. Like he he invades. He had to be invited into their home. Like, and once he was invited into their home, now he's going to suck all of their blood. Hmm. Bloodline he, being, he, he was literally
1: go- st- he sucked uh, Jonathan's life away.
0: Yes, and, and and he was stealing his blood, stealing his bloodline. He was going to end hmm. the Joestar bloodline. Like. This stuff really comes together with the vampirism. And a lot of people actually think vampires is a weird choice for such a weird show. Like it's like really vampires, that's kind of a it's kind of a staple, kind of an old-timey mythical thing. You're bringing uh-huh. into this fever dream. <laughs> but uh it it kind of it fits. It fits. It, it uh really, it really fits. Like, the way a lot of these stories are told, it's like, yeah, vampires, dude. But, like, when you describe JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to someone, you don't say vampires and vampire hunters because that's not quite, it's not so simple. But, <laughs> um, like, Dio being a vampire is, is right on the money. And he's a vampire before he becomes technically a vampire. Like, yeah. the things he's doing his actions his whole goal and everything like everything around around him is is stolen and and decayed like he steals arina's first kiss and yeah. and and it's just it's just to take he exists only to steal and, and destroy uh and wow
1: and if that's not a description of satan
0: yeah <laughs> I mean, that's
1: literally what the bible says
2: yeah
0: like he he's and he's he, he's a good uh, analog for Lucifer. He becomes more so in later parts because, you know, he's this uh, they, they don't bring it up much in this one. Of course, they, they talk about in the, you know, when you get to their grown up scene when they're playing football and they're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, how Dio's an athlete. And, you know, he's, you know, he he's both tall and attractive and charismatic, just like Jonathan is. But his is in, you know, uh, blonde Man, blonde people—they're the freaking devil.
1: Yeah, you can't trust
0: them. <laughs> it's just, you know, remember this is a podcast. Not everyone knows that I'm blonde but, <laughs> <laughs> Um, the 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 fact that his charisma is—it's very what what am I trying to say, Jonathan? Manufactured. Not, well, not manufactured, because it's real charisma. Like, chariz- ch- you know, charisma ha- is, you know, it has two sides to it, obviously. You know, there's the uh, seductive, I was going to say. It's seductive.
3: Mm, mm, he has okay. a
0: seductive charisma about him. Where, you know, uh, Jonathan's is gentlemanly and honorable. And, you know, he he's a, he's a tower of a man. And it's like, oh, I want to be like him. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Dio, it's like... I want some of that. It's like, I want that power. I want that, that freedom he has from like morality or whatever. Like it's like, uh, you know, Dio doesn't have to play by the rules. Whereas what John, what makes Jonathan um, charismatic is that he seems to have mastered the rules. You know, he, he has a code of honor. There's things he won't do. And, you know, things that other people uh, are tempted by and, you know, give in, to when they don't want to it's like well jo- Jonathan you know he doesn't give in To those things and then mm-hmm. Dio Is <clears throat> will just give in Like just 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 You know uh, Embody all of That stuff that people don't want you to do Like
3: yeah.
0: th- it's like They're the ones in the prison like th- They're they're imprisoned by these Rules I am free from the rules And you know when he rejects His humanity He's what you know. The way he's saying it is, I'm kind of Dio's kind of freeing himself. He he's unleashing his potential,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but then there's the fact that vampires are killed by sunlight.
2: Yeah. So, so he's only he,
0: free half the time. <laughs> well, and he's imprisoned. He's literally imprisoned himself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's got a pretty restrictive diet now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's yeah. that. That's, you know. Wouldn't want to be a vampire too much. But, yeah, um, there's the whole thing where it's like he, he supposedly has become he's gained limitless power or whatever. But he, he literally cannot do certain things now. Right.
1: So not and so much limitless power.
0: Right. And the only way he can survive, you know, by drinking blood is to is to destroy others like he he now has to take from other humans. He has to Mm -hmm. become uh, uh, like like as a result, he is less than the sum of his parts. (laughs) Whereas um, Jojo gets to leave a legacy and that is exactly what Dio becomes jealous of. Jojo has a bloodline, he has a good father, he has a future. So Dio is jealous of that. And at the end, Dio's plan is to take Jojo's body from him.
1: Well, one, continuing that whole cycle of take, take, take. Uh, Yes, he can only steal
0: from, from Jonathan. Yeah. And if you aren't looking at symbolism or the meaning that can be gleaned from this stuff, uh, if you do know what happens later in the story, which I don't think is much of a spoiler, is that this isn't the last you see of Dio.
1: Yeah. The, one, I know that he comes back in the beginning of part three.
0: Yeah, and, the, uh, and they explain. They, they, they explain how he came back. Mm-hmm. He succeeded. He took Jonathan's body. And uh, in a way, uh, some people say... Well, then Jonathan lost at the end of part one. I don't like that.
1: But... No, but he didn't. Jonathan
0: is the one with the legacy. Yeah. Like, some people are like, okay. So, you know, there's the whole Batman or the Spider-Man thing where it's like, well, if Spider-Man and Batman weren't doing these things, the villains wouldn't even be here. It's like, you know, the, this is kind of almost challenging them to show up. And, you know, uh, there's the... Uh, as as the the... The... Light gets lighter, the shadows extend, like the Mm -hmm. shadows get darker, yin and yang and all that. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: What you can also say is that Dio created. Jonathan Dio created Jojo's legacy. Like Dio was the thing that made Jonathan more than just a, you know, a rich gentleman living in his mansion that leads man. me
1: right oh man the moment you started that sentence that leads me right into my favorite quote okay um, go for it <laughs> but uh my favorite quote was from uh zappily <clears throat> zippily the, the baron weird, Zepply. Baron Zepply. Uh there were no vikings in the land of norway until the north wind blew in and created them
0: oh my god I love that one <laughs> Like, uh, that's such
1: a good line. I'm talking about, like, how adversity... I mean, we've talked about this in, in other episodes, but talking about, like, how, you know, you coming against somebody else or being challenged by somebody else, whether it's in a camaraderie or whether it's in, a like, adversity...
0: Yes, um, oh, I, mean, I mean... It
1: makes you stronger.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, in a lot of ways, evil is a rising tide. Mm-hmm. So... I mean the people who are getting out on the boats, people who can float, you're going to rise when the evil shows yeah. itself. So uh it's not like Jonathan would have become, you know, the star of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure if Dio didn't invade his life and mm-hmm. sort of create him. And I think that was one of my uh That was one of my that's one of my favorite episodes of the Powerpuff Girls, the original show where Mojo Jojo learns that he created the Powerpuff Girls. And he's like shocked and stunned because he's like, I created them or whatever. (laughs) Like, he's like he like he can barely speak. And he's like, it was me. But, you know, it's kind of the villain making trouble. You're going to start making heroes. Yeah. Because you're creating a reason for people to rise and stop you. That being said, uh, if that was the case, then the Joe Stars would just be reactionary, or like JoJo mm-hmm. would just be reactionary. And I think that's a fine criticism for part one. Jonathan is a bit reactionary. But then there's, uh, well, what becomes of later JoJo's? They are no longer that, they are like active basically like active knights of a, of some round table or it's the, like they, of the, of the star. <laughs> star <laughs> okay. Tape. All right. You I'm got it. trying you, too hard for that one. <laughs> um, they, they basically become, you know, a, a chivalrous force where it's like they're seeking out places to help. Essentially mm-hmm. one in particular. Okay. No, I'll say two in particular, uh, up to part five that I've seen where they sort of make their life's work. You know, of course, there's an inciting incident that makes them be what they're going to be. But, um, I mean, there are some that become recurring, some more than others,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's because their story didn't end when they beat the bad guy. Like, Jonathan obviously dies at the end, so that's why his story kind of ends there. But you also got the feeling that now that Dio was defeated, he was going to go on living a normal life. Uh, normal right. as a, a, a towering, chivalrous man could, could live. You know, he's probably going to go do some good. He's not just going <laughs> to do good for himself. He's probably going to go make the world a better place in some way. Yeah. But uh, and, and he is able to do that by basically keeping Dio from getting what he wants. <laughs> And uh, creating a legacy that then consistently keeps Dio from getting what he wants. That, you know, uh, the thorn in the side is more the Stars than it is Dio. Yeah. Dio is basically just an eternal evil that keeps re-emerging only to be stamped back down before he can cause too much world-ending trouble by the Stars, Who uh, inevitably are going to show themselves when he shows himself. Yeah. So, uh... which,
1: ah, that, that's, that's a really cool, like uh, the, the way that you said that, you know, they're inevitably going to show themselves. And it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if later on there is a person who isn't even in jo- Joseph's lineage. I mean, I, that probably wouldn't happen just because the whole well, story I... is about Joseph's lineage but, or Jonathan's but... lineage.
0: The thing is, is that as things go on more so than part one, uh, the later parts, there's a lot more people getting caught up in the adventure who are becoming mm-hmm. heroes because of the Stars. They're kind of follow, they're, they're following them, you know, the, the Knights to King Arthur mm-hmm. and, uh, part three, probably, I mean, part three, the Stardust Crusaders, that is, you know, there's a, they're a team, they're a group of people. And then uh, part four, I mean, not to spoil anything, but it's got a a massive ensemble of characters that are all kind of being pulled along by uh, the the Joe Star lineage. And then, uh, I mean, part five, more so, like uh, it, it it becomes a. Not even. okay. well, in in part five, it's interesting because it it isn't exactly that they are following the Jojo. It is. That part five's Jojo kind of incites. He inspires the one who actually has the power to lead. And then he follows and the others follow that guy on his his new quest.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's probably the best part about part five. Is that it kind of... It, it messes with your expectations a little bit. Um, also, man, part five gets into some some good, delicious symbolism. But, you know, that's way in the future. If we ever cover that. But, both uh,
1: narratively and n- f- f- real. I'm sorry? I said both narratively and real. Because how far is part five in the future from part one? Like, in the in the... Joseph, oh, oh gotcha! Story.
0: You're talking about like in real time, yeah. Uh, I think part five is in the mid to late '90s. Part four is in 1992.
1: Okay, so it's literally almost a hundred years after. <laughs> yeah part what one. what
0: what happens is that was with, with part three he starts doing modern day, you know whatever the time when he was writing it was, and then it sticks with that going forward. Well, until part seven, which is the is the furthest prequel of them all. What? Yeah, part part 7 is like back to uh it's like before part 1. Oh. I'm not going to well, explain why. But oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh and oh my. Uh, it uh well okay, Nah, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to explain it. I'm not going to say it. That that would yeah, be a total cuz cuz I I will end up
1: watching this, just mainly because, like I said, I do enjoy it. It may not have, like, completely gripped me like other Also, I won't stop talking have. about it, so... Oh, yeah, no. I mean, it's like Devil May Cry with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you still have managed to not play those, so...
1: Yeah, that is true. That is true. But I <laughs> know all about don't, them. <laughs> don't be down on
0: yourself. You can do it. <laughs> you can resist. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, basically, just to say... Uh, I think the symbolically Jojo is actually quite conventional plot wise. It's absolute madness. Like the actual <laughs> events that happen on paper, Jojo is nonsense, which is why it's so memeable. You can take a, a screenshot of some subtitles and share it in our, and our, it's just like, what, I what mean, is that?
1: For years, the, but it was me, Dio, like yeah. that, was pervasive all throughout early meme -er, meme memeage.
0: Yeah, and then there was one where someone was saying, you can't spoil JoJo. Like, you can't say this event happens and someone be able to figure out how we get there before where they currently are, even if they are mere seconds before that thing happens. It's like, (laughs) how could I have seen... That doesn't spoil anything. (laughs) But, uh... I mean, of course, that's an exaggeration. You can't spoil it, but
1: like, if somebody were, were to were to have told me that Joseph Joe goes to space, I'd be like,
0: "What?" <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty. It's, and that's not even <gasps> that's not a spoiler. <laughs> but like, um, I think there are some things you can spoil, but like the 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 way that this kind of works. As far as like, well, what what's the meaning? It's pretty conventional. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's taken very clear black and white sides on if humanity's good or not in part one, mm-hmm. <clears throat> saying that though humanity may be limiting, when you try to take away all of those supposed limitations of morality or whatever, you've limited yourself in other ways. Yeah. Like there is no there's no freedom outside of a morality. You know, uh you now can't go out into the sunlight, which is Yeah,
1: you become slave to something.
0: Yes. You you and uh not to be like, I guess um defeatist and say that, you know, you kind of have to pick a master, but you kind of have to pick a master. It doesn't have to be a person. You know, it doesn't have to be uh a, a demagogue hopefully. Yeah. Uh you know, you don't you don't necessarily have to pick a, a an existing person that you're going to do everything for. You're going to live for him or whatever. That's probably a bad idea. That's how you get cult leaders. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of need something to be oriented towards. And with Jonathan, it's maybe a little too on the nose, a little too easy, or it's like, you know, he's just being a good gentleman. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but he changes Speedwagon.
1: Yes. I, you know, I was actually going to mention that when we started talking about the three pillars of what we call belt.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about the legacy, of course, mm-hmm. Jonathan leaves quite the legacy, mm-hmm. but like
1: and the other, the other part of that is the driving change. And, and Jonathan most definitely does that in Speedwagon.
0: Yeah. E- even though it feels like Jonathan is just kind of there waiting for the plot to happen to him. Jonathan changes a lot of things. And in and, and later stuff, like in part two, the creation of the Speedwagon Foundation
3: mm-hmm. is
0: kind of this, you know, this kind of a Marvel shield kind of deal that was inspired by Jonathan, made by what used to be a street thief. Who is just think... so inspired by this man he tried to mug.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and then, I the, the mean this is also in part two, but that Nazi.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Stroheim. Yeah. Like, wow. Uh, that's interesting. That's kind of, um, Hmm. That'll be an
1: interesting conversation when that, we get
0: there. That's a bit of a tough one to deal with because Stroheim after the fact, then dies, yeah. dies in war. Uh-huh. In world war two. Yeah. Cause he was fighting for his country. And yeah. you know, there, there's a difference between, I can't believe I even have to say this, but there's there's a, there's a difference between being a Nazi and being in your country's military. <laughs> like uh, a lot of, a lot of the German soldiers in world war two did not necessarily believe in what they were doing, but uh, they were following orders. Sure. And you could also say, you know, well, you shouldn't follow immoral orders, but man, right. Uh, you don't think you would be so different yeah if you I were mean, in well, the same the place things, at the same time
1: like in fact one of the things that's said about hitler is the fact that he was so charismatic and
0: brought well of course like, he was such nationalism to germany well and you would be helpless most likely anyone listening mm-hmm. like you had to be willing to accept that you probably would have gone along with it like yeah. Uh, and rejecting that, I think, comes from uh, deadly naivety. Like you, mm-hmm. you have to be able to accept that because if if you don't recognize that, you're most likely going to go right along with something else that could be just as, if not, just just as bad, if not worse, or or not even that bad. Because you know, Nazi Germany is pretty bad. Um, <laughs> th- there we th- go. Easily, easily top three. But um, uh. <laughs> you could easily get involved in something that's anywhere close or even just involved in anything bad comes from assuming, well, I'm, uh, I got, I probably got this. I got a good head on my shoulders. It's like,
3: yeah,
0: careful about that one. Careful Mm -hmm. about that one. I mean, when you're surrounded by a whole country of people who are going along with something, don't be so sure to think you're one of the few who are going to stand in, uh, in opposition to it. And I mean, most of the people who stood in opposition had to escape. That was the best they could do. Yeah. They, you know, they couldn't go all French resistance on them, which the French resistance had the benefit of, well, we know these are bad guys. Mm -hmm. So now that they've taken over our country by force, I mean, I think we're all on the same page. We should probably do something (laughs) about this. And, uh, Oh, also, if I could just, if, if I could uh, give the French a shout out uh, for the longest time, you know, we give them a hard time for surrendering.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The French government and military surrendered. The French never surrendered. The French <laughs> people, you know, uh, the French resistance is pretty, pretty well known for a reason. It's because they were like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear a bell. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Stroheim, yeah, that's an interesting character because he's a, a Nazi who ends up fighting for the Nazis despite mm-hmm. his exploits in part two. And uh, I think Araki is very smart about that. Ara- Araki doesn't have any, um, what's the word? He doesn't have any kind of naive misconceptions about humanity. Which is why you can trust him when he takes a side on humanity being a good thing. Because, I mean, he knows how dark it can get. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, vampires are all former humans. So. Yeah. And,
1: I mean, as we've talked about, vampires are like... Uh, there was actually one thing that I'm seeing that I was looking up and it's like vampires are the shadow.
2: Yes.
0: Totally. They're absolutely uh, a version, you know, any, uh, um, what would you say that a personification of mm-hmm. uh, the idea of the shadow, which exists within like, all humans.
1: And I've also seen it like more specifically referred to as like our hedonism unchecked.
0: Yes. And I mean, he, he frees himself from the checks. Mm-hmm uh and you know the way he's a little different in uh part 3 is he's gone further into that like it's it's further wow well i mean yeah he's he's worse That's in part impressive. 3 he is even more evil <laughs> but uh yeah that is impressive but like uh man what was i saying what was i trying to get to
2: yeah i was going to uh, say talking... i
0: think araki is a very good writer of kind of moral conflicts because he makes his villains very villainous, but then he also makes his heroes flawed. Like mm. none of these people are perfect. Uh, he does it much better after part one, but at least in part one, Jonathan is naive. Yeah. And uh, is maybe a little too trusting, a little too quick to think, oh, everything's better now. And he he pays for it. With his life. But yeah. you can't say he ever did the wrong thing. Uh, he's obviously forced into a situation where he has to consider the fatal option with Dio. Which you can tell, he doesn't want to kill Dio. Oh, I mean, this, is, this is basically his adoptive brother that he's been brought up with.
1: Yeah, I mean, even, so bef- right before Dio <laughs> turns into a vampire, I mean... He's like, I really don't want to do this, but you need to turn your like we need to turn you into the police like you've been poisoning my dad, our
0: dad. Yeah, it it was like it was tragic to him that Mm -hmm. he was going to have to see Dio get arrested. But you know, Dio just keeps going further and further and further. And then in that moment, Jonathan's like, I have no other choice and I'm going to die. He's going to kill me. He's killed everyone else or not everyone else, but like, you know, he, he had already killed some of the other Hamon masters, but like he was like, uh, uh, I can't remember what he said, what Jonathan said specifically, but he's like, it's clear to me that I have no choice now. Now we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of that one, especially, uh, when it's done really clunkily. In Dragon mm-hmm. Ball Z, like in the Cell Saga, it seems really forced. But um, with this one, it's convincing enough and, and Jonathan is not all powerful. So you can say that Jonathan is going to have to kill Dio because he's not strong enough to save him. Yeah. But, you know, in the long run, this will probably be for the greater good. And it helps that Dio has become more than just a bad person. He's he's literally gone beyond evil that. incarnate yeah and you can also say that killing Dio is not killing a human Th- this is now a predator of, of humans yeah but that's that, that can be dangerous that can be a slippery slope where yeah. it's like okay well so where do you well, define humanity? Exactly. And this is a story. This is this yeah. is symbolic. And right. And the the vampires in real life are all humans. So <laughs>
3: Yeah. The way <laughs> what
1: I, when you said the vampires in real life, and I was like, "Oh, is Tim about to drop a hot take?" <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> well, well, no, well, vampires are real. Well, yeah, yeah. I, that <laughs> is the hot take. You learn, oh, these things exist. <laughs> but I mean, zombies more symbolically. Exist. Werewolves <laughs> exist. I mean, I mean, but but symbolically, I mean, that's that's that is reality.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the, the literal
0: when you when you say literal or, or you say you know scientific reality, it's like yes, that is reality, and yes, mm-hmm. so are myths and symbolism. It's like they they are different versions. You can you know maybe use them as two different methods to explain the same thing, but they both are representations of what is. Just like a a word is a representation of something, or what our eyes and our senses can even perceive is only a representation of what is actually real. Yeah um so I think, I think humans are not only incapable of fully experiencing what actual reality is but we don't even participate in what it is mm-hmm. but you know that that's way out there that's that's so far out there that it that it uh, actually shouldn't concern you you should only be concerned with you know what you what you can participate in but um sorry so, you were going to say something
1: yeah so based on what comes After part one, would you consider either Zeppeli or Jonathan or both to be messianic characters?
0: I mean. Yes, I think both. Okay, would have to be. I mean, because Baron Zeppeli is a little bit more on the nose because he knows he's going to have to die.
1: Yes. So it's Uh, it's
0: a little more a little more in line. With the original messianic story,
1: <laughs> but I thought that it was funny that both of them walked on water, and they are the only two people who have walked on water.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that—that's kind of that kind of cinches it right there. Yeah, I mean that's a little obvious. Yeah, like I, it's said, a, I said I said a lot on of the nose. a lot of part one is very on the nose, and yeah. uh, Baron Zeppoli and Jonathan Joestar are basically without sin as far as we know. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh John, there's no excuse for naivety, of course. Jesus was mm-hmm. not naive. Um so Jonathan, sure he, he's not perfect. He is naive, right. but Baron Zeppeli the only thing he's really guilty of was well, no, he was too naive too. His his backstory was uh assuming too much good of people. Yeah. But uh, what was funny,
1: and I think it was representative of, like, their dispositions, is, like, Zeppeli, um, when he was walking on the water, or, I guess, in his own way, prancing, um, (laughs) uh, like, he was able to stay on top of the water, whereas when uh, Jonathan was walking on the water, he was actually kind of, like, trudging through the water.
2: Yeah,
0: he, he wasn't quite, um... Like, he said, you're getting your shoes wet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I thought that that was, like, an interesting view of, like, now Zeppeli (laughs) is more poised to be a messianic character, whereas it looks like Jonathan has a little ways to go.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, that was literally how it turned out.
1: Yeah, Exactly that's what got me thinking about it because like I had a rough, like memory of what was going on when they walked across the water and I was like, Oh, Hey,
0: wow. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they kind of, I mean their whole stories, both of them is, is Mm self-sacrifice. Like from the beginning, like Jonathan constantly is just sacrificing parts of himself Uh, often they're, they're useless parts like his naivety and stuff like that. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he's literally sharing his father and his home. He's having to make sacrifices for Dio. And in the long run, he becomes Jonathan Joestar. Yeah. He, you know, becomes the self-actualized towering hero that, uh, then leads to this line of glorious people.
2: Yeah. So.
1: And I mean, like that right there, th- I mean, we've been talking about legacy and like the legacy that he left behind, but that all in and of itself, like wraps up the tragedy and sacrifice and the potential in fighting for tomorrow. I mean, like he is in essence, all of those pillars wrapped up in one.
0: Yes. And um, Baron Zeppeli kind of gets the same treatment. He is not the last Zeppeli to appear in these stories.
2: Yeah.
1: So. Uh, I'd forgotten about that. I forgot. Like, I knew that. Is there a, is there one in part three? I mean, I guess that that, that would kind of be a spoiler.
0: There is another one uh, coming soon. I'll just say that. Okay. What ter- in, uh, in part two, you get the feeling from Caesar, where he mm-hmm. kind of is choosing to walk this path that uh, his ancestors set for him. And that's why him and Joseph have that argument, which I don't know if you got to that point. But they have an argument f- about responsibility and about... Oh, like, yeah, yeah.
1: I vaguely remember that. Like I said, that was a while back that I saw part two, but
0: yeah. Like, like Jojo's like, why would I care about the Joe stars? Why would I care about my family? Like the, what does that have to do with me? And then mm-hmm. Caesar who is trying to support the grandson of this, uh, this hero that his ancestors or his ancestor, <clears throat> I can't remember if Baron is his grandfather, or great grandfather or something. Uh, Or even if, like, he's his uncle or something. Uh, You know, he's kind of gone out of his way to go find the Joestar and, you know, guide him like he did before. And Joseph is rejecting it. And Caesar, being young and not fully realized, Mm
2: -hmm. is,
0: like, frustrated and he doesn't know what to do. He's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Like, he can't just get Joseph to get in line like Baron got Jonathan to get in line. Should
1: have pinky punched him in the sternum.
0: Yeah, man. Didn't use that move. Should have used that move. That was the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: just break his arm. Then pinky then punch him it. in the sternum. And, and I'll fix, fix it right it. up. That's
0: how that works. Man, this show's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so,
1: you know, it's just dumb enough that I lo- that I that I really enjoy it, but it's still <laughs> dumb.
0: Yes. No, it, it's very dumb, but it's also very smart. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it, it isn't Jojo's Bizarre Adventure isn't just popular because it's strange. I don't think that would be <laughs> enough to carry it because there's a lot of strange things out there. The, there's more going on, and and I think it's because Iraqi Araki seems to be a pretty good guy who knows what he's doing. I, I think in a lot of different ways, Araki is able to uh put down on the page what you know what what he believes,
2: mm-hmm. and there's
0: some characters that uh or there's one in particular that people say. Uh, Is just Araki's self-insert. But if you look at the way Araki writes, it doesn't really make any sense. Like, the character is a manga artist and is, you know, uh, has a very high opinion of himself or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Araki has written lots of side stories for him. And I think he likes writing for him because he's a manga artist. So it, it is sort of a self insert in that way. But his personality doesn't match. I think Iraqi's personality is much more in line with one of the Joe stars.
3: Hmm.
0: Where uh, Rohan, who's the character I'm referring to, he's very self centered. He's very much like, uh, you know, I, I don't like getting caught up in these people's lives. I don't want to have anything to do with this. They're annoying. You know, they're they have these uh, these values that they're trying to stick to. Whereas Rohan seems like a bit of an incidental ally at one point where it's like, you know, he he has a stand and he has abilities that are useful, but it's not exactly that he wants to help them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the way these stories are written, I'm like, mm, especially part four especially the prevailing message in part 4 it's like i don't think araki would write like this if he didn't in some way think it was what he should be writing yeah so that's interesting at at the risk of spoiling more i guess it's hard to talk about it's hard to talk about jojo uh parts in a vacuum <clears throat> because they are all so related to each other but that's why you shouldn't skip parts
1: yeah so, what what was your best quote? I don't think that you said uh, it.
0: I, I think the Vikings one. Oh, really? Yes. No, I, that one's so strong. Uh, other than that, <laughs> I think my favorite quote is, "Neither his hair wields the blade." <laughs>
1: <laughs> my my other bet, my other favorite quote was, "My very blood is a symphony within me." Ooh,
0: God, that's <laughs> such a good one. <laughs> yeah yeah I know there there's some strong pulls in part one. Part one has a lot of a, a lot of good uh it's got some good belt quotes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That being said, are we convinced that this is belt? Um, okay, so
1: i I think that we should ask the question the 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 final question. okay does it set your soul ablaze? does it set yours ablaze?
0: uh it uh okay <laughs> i think <laughs> i think this is a tricky one this time which
1: sucks
2: because i really <laughs> got to wrap this
0: up i got to get ready for work soon but uh this one's tricky in that when i first saw it i was astonished that something this strange had flown under my radar
2: mm.
0: and before i knew of the parts that came after (sighs) uh, kind of the, um, the surrounding opinion of part one and Jonathan.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I think it definitely did. Because I, I unironically accepted him as the hero and as one of my favorites. I was like, I love this guy. He's, he's always going to be my favorite Jojo. But it then sounds when like you w- there's a butt coming. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. There it is. Yeah. When you when you get to part two, and I immediately liked Joseph more, and that that has not changed. I still think I like Joseph way more. And then the way part two ends, and and Joseph being a little bit of a Bakugo, where mm-hmm. he's saying things to guard his ego. But. He's saying things to guard his ego, even though the self is in control now. Mm-hmm. To to reference some union psychology, he's like, "No, no, I'm still this thing." They're just like, "You're way better than that now." Yeah, just just he get he gets a better journey, whereas I think too much of Jonathan is uh, solved at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I don't know, and and in, in, in I guess in retrospect I'd probably have to say no.
1: It's and a great show. I, <laughs> I would also I would also have to say no at least for the first part. At least for yeah. the first part. I would have to say no for it setting my soul place. It's a good story. It's got some solid symbolism and some on the nose symbolism, but it's Yeah, solid. I mean,
0: I'm not against on the nose stuff, man. I almost kind of <laughs> get a little more hype about that
1: stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it it doesn't... Not quite what we're looking for, I'd say. It that doesn't being rock said, me. Yeah, that being said, when I look at everything that I've seen together, and from what I hear, people have told me about the later parts, I think it has to. It, especially, mm. uh, I mean, there's, there's a YouTube channel called Man of Passion that did a video mm-hmm. on part four and uh, I think part four has to, but of all, of all of them, part four has to fall into belt, especially think, when you see what his power is. I think
1: that Jojo is inspiring. I I or I think that uh, Jonathan Joestar is in, inspiring, and literally like when Speedwagon was like. Truly, these guys are giants among men. Like, yes, <laughs> he is. He is the ideal man. Yeah. this is what true masculinity looks like.
0: Yes, uh, I mean, yes, chivalrous masculinity. Well, no, just masculinity because masculinity is chivalrous. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hear the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, I think what some people call toxic masculinity is the absence of masculinity, and that doesn't mean femininity. Mm-hmm. Toxic masculinity also exists in the absence of femininity, like uh, Jonathan is is absolutely shaking the earth with his masculinity.
1: Oh man, when he caught Arena with his broken arm, that
0: was nuts. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, I'm swooning for him now." <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. Th- there's like, and and then the what the other Jojos go through. Joseph, who is who is not very masculine in the beginning. He's a bit of a coward. He's mm-hmm. a cheater and a coward. And it's like, yeah, he's winning, but like, at what cost? Star,
1: star scream.
0: <laughs> yeah. He, he's basically yeah, he's basically a good guy starscream in the beginning
1: <laughs> nice guy Starscream
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah uh, uh the the later jojos kind of get a journey to become more like jonathan which is mm. what i think really fires me up much more so than uh jonathan already being a pretty good guy that then overcomes his naivety uh the, the Jojo's later and the stories of the people around them later I think much better fit the bill
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I think if any one of them is Belt it is part four and um, no part skipping gotta yeah. gotta go through it all to get to part yep. four
1: we'll get there we'll get there it'll take a <laughs> while but we'll get there
0: <laughs> yeah part four is 39 episodes <laughs> so oh my
3: god
0: it's a big one but uh, yeah, uh, the the powers of these characters. I mean, I mean, Hamon is is taking breath and using uh, what he describes. Uh, Baron Zeppelin describes it as "it is life." You are using life, which is and
1: like yes, peace.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's kind of a, a an actualized uh, force that comes from it from is becoming
1: weaponized yourself. peace.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, no surprise he was taught it by a Tibetan monk. It's like, man, they all about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the stands, which become, I mean, stands being a far more creative uh, narrative device, make things a little easier on you when it's like, well, what's their power? Okay, well, that tells me what their character is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The JoJo of Part Four is. Man, it it really effectively communicates what we're talking about on here,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is, I mean, Star Platinum being Jotaro's, which just beats you senseless. Um,
3: oh yeah, Crazy uh,
0: okay. Diamond, which is Josuke's, beats you senseless, and in the in the process heals you and makes you better than before. So, yeah, I think that one, I think that one is literally built in that (laughs) he's punching someone so hard and so much that they become a better person.
1: Talk about a (laughs) crucible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel good about this. I feel good. I feel good about this one. Uh, And it it helps me kind of decide. Yeah, nah, part one, not quite. Not quite there yet, but I think that kind of describes part one. It's very much not quite there.
3: Yeah.
1: It's
0: good. It's just not quite what we're looking for. But I guess we got to watch it. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there. No part skip. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I mean, we can wrap this one up. I mean we yeah. kind of have to I got to get ready. <laughs> but uh yeah, um that being said, be like Jonathan Joestar. Yeah. There's literally no person. downsides to that.
1: Be be a good person for the sake of being a good person.
0: Give people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, lift.
1: <laughs> you should lift. <laughs> you should just become the become, peak human.
0: Become a giant among men.
1: <laughs> you know why not? Literally
0: why and. not? Yes, literally and figuratively, why not just be a giant among men?
3: <laughs>
0: I think I can leave it right there pretty comfortably. Yeah, yeah.
1: Go beyond. Plus, Plus Ultra. Oh, mm-hmm. ah, yeah. yeah.